Hi, and welcome back to Moonbeaming. Today's episode is a super fun one because it is one where I answer some questions. I asked the patrons of the Moon Studio to send in questions all about sharing one's work publicly, specifically questions around sharing outside of social media platforms. And this is because I'm facilitating a weekend workshop on February 25th and 26th called Clear Channels. That is on that topic, how to create clear channels to find your people, share your work, and to create your own algorithm. I wanted to make sure that I'd be covering issues and challenges that folks need support around. So I asked my patrons to send in some questions. I know a lot about this subject. I've shared my work publicly for the last decade or so plus consistently. That includes 90-something episodes of this very podcast, plus like hundreds of another. That includes weekly newsletters for about the past seven years, and a lot of other sharing outside of that, talking about things that, well, weren't really covered so much that many years ago, like intuition, archetypes, feminism, energy, magic, queerness, spirituality, money, ADHD, being a psychic, those kinds of things. Hi, hello, have we met? These are some of the topics we cover here and elsewhere. If you want to sign up, if you know you're ready to get organized around sharing your work in a way that feels in alignment with who you are, where your process is, if you want to connect to people outside of social media, you can sign up for Clear Channels. And tomorrow morning at around 10 a.m. is the cutoff because we have to onboard everyone and say hello and all of that jazz. So if you feel called to start a creative habit outside of social media, such as a newsletter or a blog or a podcast that will help to showcase your work where you can share what you're in process around, what you're working on, connect you to an audience, connect you to colleagues, maybe even get you paid. This is it. I really do credit the stability of my business over the last few years, especially to my newsletter, to this podcast, and to having products that folks can interface with outside of social media. And sharing work on channels that are yours, where you can directly communicate with people, not mitigated, not mediated, not controlled, not influenced by an algorithm, that has to be part of your plan if you are a small business owner or a freelancer 
if you're an artist, if you're a creative, if you're someone who works for themselves, or if you want to work for yourself. Let's say you have a day job and your dream is to start working for yourself in the next nine months. You're saving up money and you want to start working with clients nights and weekends and build up a practice. A perfect addition to this would be sending out a weekly newsletter or creating a podcast or sharing outside of social media, getting a website, having a journal, having blog posts, so on and so forth. That's what you want to be doing before you start working for yourself all the way. It's certainly what I wished I had done, but I'll save my mistakes for another day. For me personally, like going in really no particular order, but kind of is, you know, having your own website with the focus on growing and building out your SEO, then having a newsletter, then perhaps another channel with a more forgiving algorithm. I'm talking about a YouTube channel or a podcast. I think Pinterest has a good algorithm. I'm not sure. I also have been hearing good things about Substack. These are the places where you want to be sharing your work. I know that people love TikTok. I think the algorithm is a great one. For me personally right now, I can't do video. That's just me. I can't do it. Things might change. I always love changing my mind. I'm down to change my mind. For me right now, I pour all my sharing energy into my newsletter, into my Patreon, and into this podcast, then Instagram. And I also will share on Twitter, but it's very subversive because right now I love Twitter because almost nobody is following me and it just feels like I can say whatever and it's wildly low stakes and it's just like a weird, funny place that no eyes are on me. So I don't know why I like it, but I like it there. There's a lot of reasons why we want to work on growth outside of social. My opinion about this today is that social media can easily turn evil and it is changing our brains. It is actively shortening our attention spans and affecting our ability to learn and our working memory and our ability to remember certain things. And that definitely will affect our creative process. It will affect our intuition. And the other sad part is it will influence how we relate to one another in real life, IRL. And it's going to be a factor when and if you decide to spend more time sharing your work off of social media because you don't get a dopamine hit when you send out a newsletter. I mean, maybe you do, but I don't. I do not get a dopamine hit when I hit publish on a podcast episode. However, I do get a sensation of satisfaction. And I also have created personal setups and whys and metrics personally 
that grant me rewards through the process. Because, gentle listener, the process is what we have control over and the process is what we want to enjoy and become one with. To paraphrase the Bhagavad Gita, we don't ever have access to the fruits of our labors, to the outcome. We only have access to the process. So we all have to come up with our own unique formula that resonates with us, which really is what day one of Clear Channels is about. We're going to discuss this, and I'll be sharing one of my solutions to this, which is a concept I'm calling closing the loop. And it will definitely help you if you find yourself demotivated to share in non-dopamine kind of ways, you know, in ways that are less about instant gratification. And especially in the beginning, if you aren't getting any immediate feedback, thinking about sharing in a different way and ways I'm going to introduce will help you to continue a creative practice, a growth process, which is what this is really about. And this is also about creating stronger connections which social media robs us of. Often, we think we are connecting with people on social media via DMs or likes, but are we really? Or are we gamifying and thus dehumanizing our sacred connections? Do not get me wrong. I have met some amazing people because of social media. I've become so inspired. The gifts of social media are incredible, incredible. And I also have social media to thank for my business. At the very least, the growth of my business, because I did have a business before social media was pretty prevalent. And also, social media personally has affected me in some really terrible ways. It's stolen my time. It's brought me some pretty gnarly interactions. And I don't agree with the values of those who run these social media companies. Personally, I would prefer to support them as little as I can. And again, I really do worry about what prolonged time on apps does to my creativity and my attention span. A few weeks ago, I shared about some of my values, and that is to make beautiful things carefully made and considered. And with that comes the understanding that things of quality take time. And yes, Part of a creative practice is about iteration and fast iterations, for sure, which social media is great for. But increasingly, personally, this is just me, I'm craving the space for more inspiration around something new that wants to come into my life. I don't know if it's a book. I don't know if it's a baby. I don't know if it's a set of poems, a jewelry line. I'm not sure yet, but what I do know is that the activities that distract me and distract my attention need to be cleared away so that I have space for what is important. And maybe that's 
what you're feeling into as well. The last little piece I want to talk about, touch upon, that I'll probably do a whole episode on at a later date or episodes on because this theme comes up all the time when I'm facilitating, like all the time, frequently, is this issue of being perceived and wanting to be liked and wanting positive feedback and wanting external validation, feeling like if you don't get external validation, then your work isn't good and things like that. And I think I spoke a little bit about that last week, but I'll bring it up again. And one part of that is simply exposure. It's simply showing up over and over. Of course, if there's some deeper wounds, therapy is definitely going to help you out. But if you're just sort of feeling mild anxiety around it, there's really nothing else to be done than to show up and to understand that people may not like you. Many, many people do not like me. I know because they tell me frequently. And sometimes it stings and hurts, but it's never made me want to stop sharing. And also, it's not about me. Like, there are people who do not like Oprah or Beyonce. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was Toni Morrison. Some of her books got really bad reviews when they first came out. And I'm like, what? I had this conversation recently with the son of an incredibly well-known writer. Someone I love. I have like two of his books. Someone who I personally find not very polarizing in their message and also their energy. This person, when I've listened to interviews they've done, they have very quiet energy, very calming energy, really someone who's not very activating. But his son was telling me that his father is very polarizing, triggers many people, and flames and activates people and is always getting negative messages. And I was shocked. I was honestly shocked because I was like, I love this person's work. You just have to remember, there are people who cannot stand the last favorite movie you saw. Or they think that your very favorite meal or snack is unappetizing. It's preferences. And we can't control other people's opinions of us. And in fact, the more authentic we are, often, not always, but often, the more people will react to us. You know, looking at my inbox right now, there's a hateful email with someone saying how disappointed they are in me for some reason or other. And there is a gushing email from someone thanking us for making many moons. In part, it helps that I don't often read email anymore or reviews or DMs. That was one of the things I had to stop doing. 
I barely read comments. But another aspect of this is a spiritual lesson and a spiritual practice. And that is, you do not want to be swayed too much in one direction either way. You don't want to be too influenced by praise, and you don't want to be too influenced by criticism, particularly if the criticism is disrespectful and is not constructive. Everything I'm talking about here, like every sentence I just said could be its own podcast episode. So I am pinning all of these because there are so many other things I want to talk about here and it's around purpose and relationship and ego and all kinds of other things. So I'm going to stop because I can feel myself going down a rabbit hole, as we know I want to do. So I will pin that for a later date, and I'll move on to the questions. I'm a photographer. My biggest hang-up about sharing my work online is the pressure to write something compelling to occupy the visuals and the fear of coming off cheesy or salesy. So I guess any guidance or advice on tapping into our authentic voice and overcoming fear of cheesiness, ha, would be helpful. I love this one because I think this is a common concern and I have a prelude to how I'm going to answer this. Plus, I have a bunch of ideas for you. Prelude is, I don't know where this stems from, but whether it's art school damage or certain kinds of messaging around what an artist does or that it's shameful to promote your own work. I also think there's some class stuff going on or ideas around it not being genteel to talk about money or low class or not polite to talk about money that certain classes in America, like middle, upper classes in America hold as well. I also think there's weird stuff around money and power, like Asking for money or telling people your work is for sale puts one in a vulnerable position or a needy position in some way. This is just my armchair (laughs) psychology around it. But I, I do think there's some historically uneasy and ambivalent relationships between money and creativity, income and art. In the art world, it might be that you need a dealer to promote your work, to take money for you. There might be some shame or resistance around receiving money for your work going on that you might want to feel into. 
you know, I can't get into the specifics, obviously, without having more information. But I think there's also this idea that the artist is discovered and that all the artist must do is make work like a beautiful hermit in the studio, like that beautiful genius, like Derek Jarman in a jumpsuit. And that happens sometimes, but most of the time, the artist is courting dealers. They're having studio visits. They're making friends with and hanging out with other artists and getting into artistic scenes and communities, or they are relying on patrons to make their work or family members. They come from money, so they don't have to have a job. And all of that involves financial support, and that involves asking for help and is strategic, however these individuals play it or decide to do it. The fact of the matter is, is that people don't know you're selling something until you tell them you're selling something. With creative work, I think of this idea of the studio visit. I feel like you literally should call your journal or your newsletter studio visit. And Every week, you can simply share what you're working on or something you just completed, like three images, maybe, with a couple of lines of what you've been inspired by and what inspired those images, or a quote or a poem that illustrates the qualities of your image making. And then maybe there's a call to action at the end that either says, want to see this in person? I'm booking three studio visits this month with like a link to your calendar, or we can do it virtual, or you can just say, want this as a print? Buy here, or whatever other call to action you'd like. It could literally just be a link to your other work or where your work is for sale. Another thing you can do, gentle listener, is upfront, define what feels cheesy to you and then do not do it, right? Just don't become the thing you don't want to be. There are a million and one ways to connect to folks that doesn't feel cheesy. I mean, we all know cheesy marketing and sales stuff when we see it. For me, my personal pet peeve is when I get newsletters from people and it's like only when they want something from me, you know, like they're they're only using my email address to let me know when they have like a thing for sale. Uh, I personally don't like that. That's just me. So I don't do it. That's why I send a weekly newsletter And sometimes it's promotional. Most of the time it isn't. And the other funny secret I'll share about my newsletter that I've noticed sometimes is often when we share what is in our shop with a direct link to an item, for example, we just sent one out and we're like, hey, it's almost Valentine's Day. Buy our lover's perfume. It's like super in the theme and we only had like five bottles left and we're like, yeah, let's get these bottles out to some beautiful people. We'll get like other sales. What I'm saying is people won't buy 
the thing where like, hey, here's this beautiful photo of this perfume, they'll buy a t-shirt or a workshop download. I don't know why, but it happens. I'm also not arguing with it. There is also a marketing name for this. I want to say it's simply exposure or something like that. It's just saying hello. It's just showing up. It's just like saying like, hey, hi, hello. And then someone's interacting with your work. So you also don't even have to sell anything at all to begin with. You can just share, just share your work. That's a big part of this for creative folks. This is a big part of this for folks who are of service. Just share your work and don't be cheesy. Get really simple. How do you like being shared to? What kinds of newsletters or substacks do you like? What about them do you like? What makes you buy something? If you're an artist, what would be a cool and creative way to share your work that fits the vibe of your work? Can that in itself be a creative project? Could you do a series of three or four newsletters that talk about the inspiration and the process and then share the work. And then there's an interview with you or a piece of writing, your artist statement or something like that. I think if you've never shared your work before, it makes the most sense to get into the practice of sharing it and figuring out how you'd like to talk about it or present it. Maybe your studio visit, TM newsletter. No one else can take this except for the person who wrote it. Just kidding. I am positive there's a newsletter called Studio Visit. You can give it a Google. I have not. Anyway, maybe your Studio Visit newsletter that you send out has links to the playlists you listen to as you retouch your photos. Maybe it's a link roundup to your favorite gallery shows that are happening right now. Or maybe every few months you do a personal share about a particular creative problem that you solved or you share unlikely inspirations like you got an idea for colors by looking at a piece of trash on the ground on your morning walk or something like that. Maybe you want to include studio visits you have had with other artists where you take photos of them and their work and you ask them the same three questions. You see, I'm just riffing here. I think Going with what feels good and interesting to you is where you begin. And then over time, sharing ways to let folks know you've got work for sale or where they can see your work, that happens over time. And maybe investigate and titrate little by little some of that money stuff you might have if it's there around getting paid for your work or telling people that you're available for hire just to see what might be hanging out there in your shadows or subconscious slash unconscious. I had to do a ton of work around that. And as I am exploring different ways of creating work, I'm finding myself in the other ring. Like It's like I think of it as an onion Yes, complete with tears, where like every layer 
every step or a couple of steps that you take, there's another layer or filter or belief or somatic response that needs attention, care, maybe therapy, maybe breath work, maybe visualization, maybe hypnosis, whatever's in your toolkit. So I also want to be really clear about this being beyond normal also, because this happens to me every time, whether I make more money or less money or create a new boundary or try a new way of working or have ideas about where I want to change and grow, I have to deal with this layer. So in the beginning, you're dealing with a set of your own layers, and then you kind of unlayer, unravel bit by bit over time, but you're doing amazing exactly where you are because we all start somewhere. Okay, next question. This is brilliant, Sarah. I love the questions you posited and the idea of creating your own channel. It would be interesting to discuss how one might promote their own channel or access point and spaces outside of social media. Thanks so much. Okay, love this question. Great question. I'm going to answer this quickly. Quick? Me? No, no, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I can answer this question because I began my business without social media. The first is your relationships. You got to make nice, strong relationships with people you admire and respect. Keep in touch with folks who are either in the same industry as you, who you can help and who might be able to help you. And when you need a hand, don't be afraid to ask. The other is to get good old-fashioned 2015 about it and contact venues, whether it's boutiques or yoga studios or places to sell your work like outdoor markets where perhaps you pay a fee in exchange to vend for a day or a weekend. Investigate those. See if you can't say see clients or read tarot out of a independent boutique on the weekends and you know maybe you give them a cut of the fees or sell your wares at a Saturday market in your town that is literally how i began my business word of mouth pairing up with already existing and established businesses trying out new things. I know practitioners who get their start sometimes working out of another practitioner space and taking the clients that the first practitioner space does they don't have room for. You know, you can do that in exchange for a rental. I remember once I did a market and paid like $200 and it poured the whole time and maybe two people bought things, but I tried it. Now that so much is online, there's really no end to promoting your work. You can do a newsletter swap where you contact like-minded folks and promote each other's substacks or newsletters. Many newsletters have ad space where you can promote your newsletter in someone else's newsletter. You might want to do that if someone has 
a subscriber rate of at least 5,000 or 10,000 folks, and they're in a similar genre as you, you can do a podcast swap where you can trade podcasts with someone. You can pitch yourself to be on a podcast. If there's a particular podcast you love, you can invite the host to be on your podcast, or you can interview them for your newsletter and ask them to promote that. You can also do more yield fashion things. If you're a writer, you can pitch stories to online sites. You can publish on Medium, LinkedIn, other platforms. If you are a writer, make zines out of your work, self-publish and find 20 different stores across America to sell them in. Put your website and your newsletter or podcast or your Substack URLs on them. Get really meta and take four or five or six of your newsletters on a similar topic that you're proud of, put them into a zine or a publication and then send them to stores or pitch a newsletter that did really well to another online site that hosts essays on, let's just say you do nutrition. You can, you know, look at online magazines that cover nutrition and you can say, hey, a thousand people read this. I think this would be a good fit. Do you want to publish it? The other thing I want to say is that we are not going to ignore social media, right? We're going to put less of our energy into social media, at least for a while, while you build up and grow the channels you own yourself. So send out your newsletter and then post about it with some quotes, some takeaways, a pretty graphic, a synopsis of what you've shared. That's what I do. I might spend two days writing my taroscopes. And then we share some of the quotes on Instagram. We tell folks what they are and where they can sign up to read their full excerpt. You can use social to bring folks over to your channels. I'm just suggesting you spend more time on a creative practice that is going to help you, not the platforms. Okay, hopefully that gave you some ideas. And see, I tried to be quick and I mostly was. Okay, the last question I'm going to answer today is how to even start I have ideas, but don't even know where to begin. So gentle listener, if this is you, you are exactly who I made clear channels for. Congratulations. You've got ideas. That's the hard part. You're already halfway there. If you have ideas, you have to come up with a structure and a plan. And in the workshop, day one is literally clarifying your why, describing what your work is presently, tuning into your different channels, thinking about who they are for, what 
problems they solve, who they help, what they're an exploration of, and then visioning and brainstorming the kinds of shares that feel good to you now and that will align with your services and or your products. Day one is really a beautiful deep dive and investigation where we'll be using visioning, guided meditation, hypnosis, lots and lots of writing, lots of prompts. You'll have time to answer prompts and write and really get everything out around what you've been thinking about sharing. And then we take a break and day two is all about picking the container or the containers. So that would be the literal platform of the newsletter. We'll go over all of that and getting into questions like style, colors, imaging, the format, the kind of structure or structures you'll be beginning with. You can also decide on a name, a concept, a theme, and essentially the form of how you'd like to share. The intention for our time together is for you to get everything pulled together, organized into containers, enough to begin sharing, and then have lists and lists of topics you're excited to share and explore for weeks, if not months to come. So how to begin? You can ask yourself, what is my why? Why do I want to do this? Do I want to share my art? Do I want to share my poetic interpretations of the planets? Do I want to create a weekly writing habit so that I can stay accountable to myself? What kinds of things feel exciting, fun, interesting, or easy? Or if you're in a particularly energized kind of mood, what kind of things feel challenging? Like a cool, meaningful challenge to you to try. Like here's an example of what I'm talking about. I really want us to start centering our creative process and our projects And one way to do that, one way to keep ourselves accountable and keep us hitting due dates, especially if you have ADHD, such as myself, a weekly or every other week public share is really, really useful. So here's an example. Say you want to write a book that interprets the planets. Okay, you can write down, you can organize what the different aspects of what you wanna cover in your book or your zine, or maybe even a course, whatever it is, let's just say it's a book for simplicity's sake, that could become your newsletter. You could share excerpts every week from the book you're writing. And then over however many weeks, you then have your first draft. And then you can print it out and you can edit it and you can work on your book. 
The same thing if you have a creative project and you really want to, again, I don't know what, do a drawing a week, a newsletter is perfect for you to put your drawings or your paintings of birds every week or whatever it is. It's a really great accountability tool to keep you going and keep you creating. And that's what I'm thinking about here. I'm not thinking about another have to do on your to-do list. I'm thinking about helping people who either want to grow their business by way of having a consistent newsletter that serves their people so their people can find them, their people can know what it's like to work with them, what results are like, what their voice is like. That's partially why I have a podcast because if you like listening to me talk, then guess what? You'll love, and I mean you will love taking one of my workshops. I'm a teacher. I can talk about what I love for hours in case you haven't noticed. So you want to pick form and formats that are going to resonate with your creative practice, your personal creative goals, or your personal business goals, right? So I just wanted to really clarify that that's what we're going to be doing in clear channels. So you get it all out. You write down all your ideas, however it feels good to you. You spend a couple of days doing that. You look through, you see if there are any through lines. If you're a freelancer or writer, or you have this greater why, come up with a concept that threads your ideas together and you can then title your channel. And honestly, if you can't pick a title, no worries. I'm literally the worst at naming things. The worst. Don't worry about it. Just pick a title. If your newsletter comes out on Fridays, it could be called Friday Fun Day. You can always change it. You can always change it. Then you pick the platform. We're going to go over that in Clear Channels. There's so many different platforms out there. I'm going to provide an overview of the different ones and the ones that I suggest. Again, just pick one. Just pick one because you can stay in over analysis paralysis for the rest of your life. You can always change later. Remember, the best time to plant a fruit tree is either 10 years ago or today. So just pick one that feels easy for you to navigate. Again, if you love to talk, start a podcast. I also know that Substack has voice notes. I'm sure there are other platforms that integrate a podcast of voice recording as well as text. And I'll find what those are. And for folks who sign up, I will share them. The last thing I'll say is give yourself time to let people know you're beginning your channel. Ask them to sign up. Ask your friends to sign up. Post on social that you're starting a newsletter or a podcast and talk about the kinds of things you will be sharing about. And in the early days, especially, that is when you really want to share content from your channels on social, tell people to sign up. It can get really complicated. I'm actually going to leave that right there. But here's what I want to underscore for you, wonderful question asker, and for everyone listening today. Your channels should serve a purpose beyond engagement 
or numbers. Your channels should either help you iterate or work through a larger body of work, help get you comfortable with sharing yourself publicly or showing up consistently as a promise to yourself and your process. It should help you find your people, aka an audience or community or colleagues or clients or customers, therefore helping you be of service and be supported, then helping you to get paid and or provide you with a fun, creative outlet that you look forward to that helps you grow in some way or integrate or help you deal with your people-pleasing stuff or anything else that feels meaningful. Ideally, it would be a means to an end of itself. And ideally, it would feel meaningful to you on some level just as it is. If you're an artist, it can serve as an archive of your work. If you're a writer, it can serve as a place where you work through ideas, where you write chapters of your book, share poems. If you're a service provider, like a therapist or coach or herbalist, it can be a place to tell stories. What helped you? What helped a client? Recipes for your favorite herbal remedies, plant folklore that is exciting to you, or provide a behind-the-scenes bird's-eye view to your last forage in the woods to gather nettles. It really must be something you care about. It could feel like a cozy velvet chair or a warm campfire or a companion to your creative process or research process. Like, you know, when you're a writer and you spend four hours researching some obscure fact for a sentence that you end up editing out. What if you're a writer and once a month you do an outtakes newsletter where you share what got cut and the rabbit holes you went down before the thing got edited out. Or if you're a poet, you share the first draft and then the 30th draft with three paragraphs of how you got from draft one to draft 30. Or if you're an astrologer, you share a chart and talk about the three most interesting aspects of that chart and why you think that they're the most interesting. So if you like my ideas, you're going to love Clear Channels because Stuff like this is loaded and embedded in here. I will have an accompanying PDF that everyone will get with tons of ideas and prompts for all your channels. So whenever you feel stuck, you'll have at least a year, if not more, worth of ideas to get all your creative juices flowing Hopefully this was helpful, everyone, and gives you some ideas, even if just for your creative practice and to serve as a little reorientation. Clear channelers, I will see you this weekend. And moonbeamers, I will see you next week with another wonderful episode. Be good to yourselves and one another. Bye.